even like this decision I have coming up tomorrow between Willie Wright for Florida Atlantic or Noah Frith for Liberty Football. Christmas came a little early if you went with that Willie Wright pick. And you can only get that kind of info here at Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I am your host, Bobby Adcock. This week, we are going to jump into a small college football DFS preview of the Friday DK contest, kind of a smaller four-game slate. That's first. Then, bringing the doctor in, we're going to do all college football against the spread picks. We've selected 13 of the most notable bull games that we want to discuss, uh, probably make fun of each other about, argue a little bit, and then make our picks, of course. I was 55% this season. Can I keep it up? Let's see. Um, that's about the only good thing I've done as far as ATS picks this year. But hey, um, positive nonetheless. Let's jump in with the College Football DFS preview now. Welcome into the College Football DFS preview. This is for the Friday four-game contest on DK. First, just let's say uh, I hope everyone had a great holiday out there, and now they're jumping right back into their uh, football weekends, right? We got Friday bowl games. We got the college football playoff. And then, of course, the final week of a full slate of NFL games. Um, we're just right back into it. It's great. So let's start off with the Friday DK contest. Only four games. And I'm just going to give you my quick thoughts on each game. And then we can jump to the gambling pick. So first game is around 320 kickoff. It is the Pinstripe Bowl. It's my MSU Spartans taking on Wake Forest. MSU is minus four. The over-under is 50. My big play for this game, and something I, I really like a lot, and this will depend on the status of Daryl Stewart Jr. from Michigan State at wide receiver, who is a game-time decision. If he were to be held out, one of my very favorite building block pieces is Cody White at wide receiver for Michigan State at 5,400. Um, over these last month or so, Quarterback Brian Lewerke, it's about the only thing that's been positive in that offense, the, the trust that they have, um, where he can kind of look for him on when he needs a big conversion. So um, as as far as a floor goes, he's consistently had six, seven, uh, five catches. I think you can count on that for him. And then he even mixed in for an upside play, um, an 11 catch game. So I think this is too also a matchup where uh, that floor is even a little bit higher with these soft ACC defenses, defensive teams like Wake, who Wake's really trying to outscore everybody. Um, and they may be able to do that here. But I, I think that Cody White, the price-floor matchup combination, one of my favorites at receiver on the entire board. If Stewart's out, I'm definitely dropping him in lineups. Even if Stewart is in, I still may give uh, White some run. I think he's uh, that that good of a in a good of a position to have a really nice productive day. So I checked the weather here, nothing to be scared about in this game. So yeah, on the Wake Forest side, um, I think at the price, Jamie Newman, I'm probably gonna be uh, 
fading him. I don't. I don't think. I think you can find uh, more production at that position um, on the on this board, which we'll get to. But I just don't know if he's optimal at that price. He's the highest priced quarterback on the board. I think around eight grand is what I saw. So um, this is a tougher matchup with MSU. I think you can expose him through the air, which that's what Newman does. Um, but in general, I think it has a. It does have the lowest total on the board. So. Um, I would look elsewhere at quarterback if I'm playing this slate. And then the other um, notable there is uh, Scotty Washington. It looks like he is a full go. Um, he's been out. He's a wide receiver for Wake Forest because Sage Sherratt, their true stud number one wideout all year long, has is out for a season. Um, it's been uh, Kendall Hilton who has really filled that role uh, and come up big. But with Washington coming back, um, been playing this game, I think uh, there's some value here because no one's been paying attention to him, so his price is all the way down to 5,200. Um, something you should consider there in that game as well. And also um, Elijah Collins, too. I, I, like I mentioned, I think this is kind of just a softer matchup for a bad offense. Michigan State is not a good offense, but I think in a, a matchup like this, guys like Collins and, and White, and if Daryl Stewart Jr. does play, um, their prices are low enough because of the bad offense that they're in that uh, they become a little bit more attractive here. So um, those are my takes on that game. Let's get to the second game. It is Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M in the, what is this bowl again? Uh, the Academy Sports and Outdoor Texas Bowl, or just the Texas Bowl. So this is in Houston. Weather looks fine right now. Texas A&M is minus six as a favorite. Overrunner is 54. So a guy similar to Cody White that I really love in this game is Isaiah Spiller for Texas A&M at running back. He's at, I believe, 5,700. Um, again, kind of like similar to White, just that it's the price, the floor, and the matchup that uh, give him all the attractiveness that I like in this slate here. So price, um, let's talk about that. He's at 5,700. On the opposite side of him in this game, you have someone like Chuba Hubbard where now the matchup, this isn't necessarily one of their softer Big 12 opponents they're used to facing week to week. Is he now worth that price around 8,500? I think he may be the most expensive player on the board. Um, he's a stud, no doubt, but I think this is a week in a matchup where his upside may be a little bit limited. And if you're asking me, which one would I play for a price standpoint? I'm going Spiller over uh, Hubbard here in this game. And, and for this slate, I would take Spiller all the time. So, um, and you want to talk about just like the matchup. Since they've kind of gone towards more of a little bit of a youth movement, which Jimbo Fisher has um, done at a few different positions, he has here with Spiller giving him the full-time role. Since he's done that, when they've had their more kind of average to mediocre conference opponents, Spiller's had a really nice games, you know, 20 plus touches. Uh, he catches maybe two, three passes in there. And, um, you know, 100-plus yards, touchdowns. He, he's, he has that all-around game as a freshman. And this is the type of matchup, I think, that is similar to those now where it's not like, you know, when they're going up against LSU in Georgia where, yeah, the whole offense struggled, of course. But now they're getting more of that middling teams like a, like a South Carolina or something. What, if you look at his game log, he had maybe three or four games in a row where they were playing average SEC opponents. And he had really nice production. So... I love Spiller here in this for the slate, in this game, everything. Um, yeah, you already know my feelings on that kind of him and Chuba where I come out there. So the other note I want to talk about this game is I think you got to be out on the Oklahoma State quarterbacks. 
Spencer Sanders is uh, questionable. I think they're just being very kind of, uh, you know, they're being very mute about it, being very coy, not really saying much. Gundy's now said that they think they might play both quarterbacks. So that's just kryptonite right there. So you got to stay away from that one. Not that it was a great uh, matchup anyway for DFS, but um, yeah, I think you just avoid it at all costs. Um, so those are my that's my big takeaways for that game. And let's get to number three, which is USC in Iowa. And this is the, what is this game called? The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. These names are outstanding. So, uh, so really the Holiday Bowl from, you know, that's been going on for uh, forever. But um, it is Iowa. They are minus two. And the over-under is 52. And this is uh, also in San Diego. Looks like it's a good forecast. So nothing to be concerned about there. Now, um, a guy I talked about before at the running back position in the past, towards the end of the season, that I looked like they were shifting to more of a full-time workhorse uh, role in the Hawkeye backfield was Tyler Goodson. His price is not adjusted to that role, and he's still sitting at around 4,700. Well, he is at 4,700, but he's in, been in that range for about the last three weeks when he's had this role. Um, he got hurt in their last game, but every indication is that he's fully healthy and he should return to that role that he had towards the end of the year where he was very productive. So um, at 4,700, also one of my favorite building block pieces in the whole slate. I, I like him and Spiller at the running back position so I can kind of maybe spend up a little bit more at run or quarterback and maybe even a little bit uh, at receiver. Maybe a, a Max Borgi in one of the flex spots for Washington. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my uh, player for Iowa that I really like a lot here, uh, just from a price standpoint, a lot of value. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy I've talked about uh, at the receiver position for USC on the other side. He's similar to kind of like that Cody White play where uh, I th I'm not worried about this matchup for USC, too. I wanted to mention that. I think some people look at this and say, oh, I'm not sure that they'll be able to, you know, Hold up against uh, you know these tough Big Ten defenses. Look, they're they're tough because most of the time they're playing each other, and each other they suck. So I, I'm not worried about uh, Slovis and all the receivers, and uh, they they're just a different caliber of like athletes going against some of these Iowa defensive players. And I again, it, I don't think it's going to be easy, or they're like going to like you know just work them out. But I'm certainly not going to downgrade them at all or be concerned like oh I was just going to totally shut them down. No, they're, they're still going to be able to get make plays on these guys for sure. So that's why I look at a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown and go, yeah, he, I think he's at 5,800. Um, he's been really productive, even in like low scoring games or not, you know, games in the 20s, maybe low 30s. Um, Slovis has been very effective and, and really played at a really high level where all these guys uh, have been able to outperform their prices. Him and Taylor Vaughn's specifically uh, have been able to. And then the other... Uh, USC receiver who came on late in the year. And I want to br bring him. I want to. I want to get his name right because I uh, Drake London. That is his name, uh, and he's at 5100. Even a guy like him who's, you know, again coming down strong. I, I think I've been really impressed with Slovis, and I don't think um, they're going to be slowed down to a point where uh, they're not going to be able to continue to make big plays in the passing game and their running back position is such a mess with injuries too i i very much anticipate them focusing and emphasizing the passing game in this 
um, matchup where they're going to be in San Diego. Conditions are going to be nice. So, um, yeah, no concerns there. That's what I wanted to mention for them. And that brings us to our last game, which will have, I'm sure, tons of interest from uh, DFS players based on the Vegas projection. It is Air Force in Washington State. They are in the Cheez-It Bowl or something like that. Um, yeah. But I forget the name of it right off the top of my head. It, it is like the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, it's in Phoenix. Right now, forecasts are a little bit of rain tomorrow. But as the day progresses, nothing to be concerned about. Maybe a little overcast, but right now, no rain. This game's going to be played later in the day, so we should be good there. Uh, but over-under is 69. Air Force, minus 2.5. So obviously the most um, favorable projections for our purposes in DFS. I think, no doubt, you want to pile on uh, Donald Hammond III, the Air Force quarterback. As I've talked about before, um, and I did this with Shy Wirtz of Georgia Southern last week, where in these option-heavy attacks, the quarterback is basically a number one running back in like a workhorse role with passing stats upside. So um, it's a little plus there, and I think with Hammond and Air Force, they're not a super like locked in wishbone tight running offense they do spread it out a little bit um so there's a little bit more passing i think you might see maybe even like 15 attempts and in the matchup with washington state who can stop neither the run nor the pass um i really like him at 6900 i mean he's got to be my favorite play at quarterback here so i definitely think uh there's a big green light on him in this game for sure the other guy i want to mention on that um, team from a receiving standpoint is Benjamin Waters. On the season, I think he's second on the team. He has 20 catches, 646 yards, and seven touchdowns. Not a huge season-long line, right? You say, oh, 20 catches, great. Well, guess what? The last three games of those season totals, the last three games, nine catches, 330 yards, and five touchdowns, five of the seven scores. So if you look at the game log, you'll clearly see this guy has emerged and he's the guy when they go to pass, when they're trying to catch these defenses off guard and hit big plays, he's the guy they're looking for. And he's the one that they're trusting to convert him. He has been doing that. I see no reason why that would change here um, in a very favorable matchup, again, with Washington State, who um, you can run, get it any way you want it. So, um, yeah, I really liked him. He's at 4,700, so I think... That, again, price has not really adjusted to what his role has been over the last month with this team. And uh, definitely a guy I like to target is the building block um, at wide receiver in some lineups there. On the Washington State side, I'm not going to talk about them much. We all know the players because they're the ones that cost all the money. They're the chalky players um, all season long because of how they project games. Always the high over-unders, no defense, all offense. <laughs> Stuff we love. <laughs> I know I've certainly... Uh, I uh, had a lot of fun weeks uh, playing against them or for them, depending on what their matchup is. So, um, yeah, you know who the guys are. I'm definitely going to fire away on, like, Max Borgi for sure, uh, based on all the guys I mentioned before that will allow me to afford him. So um, that is it for the slate. You have my thoughts. And I want to say good luck to everyone playing. Again, um, happy holidays. I will be back for another pod, a short pod talking about the CFB DFS angles for 
Saturday's action and then also talking about Week 17 NFL picks next, uh, right now, coming up with bowl game against the spread picks. That's the doctor. We've selected 13 games. I encourage you to stick around. I was 55% on the year. So, I mean, I have to – that has to translate to the postseason, right? Let's find out. That starts now. Happy holidays, everyone. It is uh, the day after Christmas, and we're here. I, I have brought the doctor in to discuss a 13-game board of bowl games of the more kind of notable games that we would like to discuss and make our uh, against the spread picks on. Doctor, how are you? How's your holiday? Um, holiday was, was great, Bob. Um, doctor's a little under the weather today, as you can probably <laughs> tell the sound of my right. voice. But, uh, you know, played play a little hurt. So I'll, uh, you know, the holidays took a toll on me, but I'll, uh, I'll grind through tonight for our, for our listeners. Yeah, you, you do, do it for the people. Do it for the people. For the All people. right, that's right. Many other people. So, um, just really quickly, I was fifty-five uh, percent uh, on our college picks in the regular season. That's like the, one of the only positive things I've done on this podcast, uh, Doctor. You were forty-eight percent, just a couple games mm-hmm. below five hundred. So, um, I think overall, though, we, we uh, had some good analysis throughout the college season. Good discussions about like the major teams, which we're going to talk about here, and. For those of you who maybe have not listened in the past and kind of how we cover colleges, we talk about the local teams that we kind of uh, you know grew up with and followed or maybe went to school there. So that is Michigan, Michigan State, uh, USC, and Notre Dame. We always talk about those games each week. And then any of the more uh, notable uh, games across the country that are kind of big on the national stage. So... Um, we had selected 13 bowls, as I said, and we're going to start that out with the bowl game that everyone wants to talk about. It's the new era pinstripe bowl, and it is uh, in Yankee Stadium. It is our Spartans versus Wake Forest. Uh, MSU is minus four points. And again, if we did not discuss um, the local teams that we kind of uh, – Follow and each week and grew up with uh, this would definitely not be one of the bowls we selected. We're not we're not covering the the uh, rich in tradition pinstripe bowl. We wouldn't be covering that if Michigan State wasn't in it. It's, it's got so no. much history. Uh, no, okay. no, all right. No, no. Well, yeah. speaking of history, speaking of history, it's from, it's from 2010 uh, to present days. How long this bowl's been around? And it uh, has exclusively been featuring a ACC small 10 matchup for the last five years uh the big 10 the big 10 is four and one that time and four or five of those games have been decided by uh one score or less so um as you see we have our our spartans minus four points a smaller line there against wake where are you uh coming out in this game doc yeah look both these teams are uh pretty you know, mediocre. Uh, they find themselves in another mediocre bowl as they did last year, where State lost in the Red Box Bowl, and I think Wake Forest beat them. The Birmingham Bowl. It's just, I mean, it's just tough to, to really get into it. You, you took a number there that I had. Uh, Big Ten is four and one straight up and against the spread uh, in the last five years. Um, 
Also, Coach D, although his regular seasons haven't been great, and last year's bowl game wasn't, he's still six and one versus the spread in his last seven bowls. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I guess take Michigan State minus the four, <laughs> but you know who 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 really cares? No one does, um, including I think us. But um, I am going to take the points with um, Wake. I think. Jamie Newman, the Wake quarterback, I think he probably is the best player in this game just in general. And um, I think if you can kind of – the Michigan State defense that's uh, so vaunted, but not really. Um, if if they can be had in any way, it's probably through the air uh, where they're maybe most vulnerable. And, um, he's been able to with – you know, even like having some of his best receivers get hurt, he's just continually been able to be productive. I know it's with uh, poor – ACC defenses that he's going against, but I think he can still make plays in general um, with his arm. He's a he's a competent college quarterback, so uh, I'm going to kind of just go with him and think they can do enough to cover the four points and just make enough plays here. So, uh, yeah, I think this might be a sneaky high scoring game too. What do you think about that? No, no. wait, wait can put up points, but uh, you know, wait gets out and scores in this thing. That's that's going to be trouble for Michigan State. No, I see. I think it's going to. I think. Oh, there's a siren. Uh, I think, no, I think MSU, I think, because this is like a softer, this is a softer matchup for MSU, even from an offense standpoint, even though they're a bad offense, I think here's what's going to happen is they're going to have this like, you know, 30 point offensive explosion, you know, coach, he's like, see, it is working. It is working. So we're going to get that. No. <laughs> we're going to get that narrative. So, all right, you're on MSU. I'm on wake. Let's move on to the. I- Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just move it along. <laughs> just move it along. Let's get to some things that matter. All right. The Academy Sports and Outdoor Texas Bowl. Uh, this is between uh, Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. This is game is played in Houston. It's really just the Texas Bowl with a new sponsor. But uh, Texas A&M is minus seven. It's kind of a quasi-home game for Texas A&M in a lot of ways. They're two hours away from where they uh, their campus. So... This bowl game is from been from 2006 to present is the Texas Bowl and the uh, it's exclusively been SEC Big 12 for the last five seasons. The Big 12 is three and two in those contests. So just to give a little uh, background there of the recent history, uh, and I would like to ask you now, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, yeah, so I think you said you said the Big 12 was three and two. In the last, in the last five. five. So I've got them 3-0 and oh in the last three, and all three of those games were underdogs. Um, Oklahoma State is 12-2-1 uh, and one against the spread in their last 15 games against non-conference opponents. Gundy is 4-1 straight up uh, and against the spread in his last five bowl games. So I like Gundy and Chubba Hubbard to have uh, a big day. Uh, you know, they do a good job balancing uh, the run of the pass. They average 239 yards on the ground, 228 in the yard, in the, in the air. Um, I think they keep it up, and I think they keep these trends of Gundy successful in bowl games and the Big 12 teams having success in this Texas Bowl moving forward. So give me the Cowboys and the points. Okay. And I, yeah, you mentioned that Gundy really successful in bowl games. Jimbo also 6-2 uh, and two in his bowl games, and I think last year, they uh, it was his first year with AM. They blew out North Carolina in the bowl game uh, by like it was like forty-one to thirteen or something. I think he's in year two in his program with AM. They're kind of 
building something a little bit more. They're kind of one of those teams that is poised for a big third year, maybe as like oh, sneaky contenders in the SEC. That's what's being talked oh, about. You're, so, you're delusional. Well, it, look, you're delusional. I'll, I, I let, hey, hello, let me finish. Uh, so, uh, in A&M, look, I don't put them anywhere near that, like, upper echelon, uh, you know, like Auburn, Georgia. They're not there, right? But they were at least competitive with Clemson early on in the season. You know, they ended up getting away from losing the game 24 to 10. But uh, they were competitive for a good two and a half quarters. And then um, also competitive for almost four quarters against Georgia late in the year. I think they're one of those teams that's, they're not on those levels, of course, but I think they're just like maybe uh, just one tier outside of that. Uh, I don't really view Oklahoma State as that. So, sorry, go, so, go yeah, ahead. I actually ask you something more about this Texas A&M narrative. Uh, yeah. Usually, you know, teams that are on their up and up come up with a quality win here or there. Uh, yeah. Can you name... You probably don't have a schedule in front of you. I'm sure you don't know off the top of your head. But they don't don't have a quality win all year. No, but I I think... No, but I think my point is I think they... When they win against the more average mediocre teams, they took care of their business. Um, And and, so that's kind of... What, Mississippi? Is that taking care of business? Well, I I view Oklahoma State closer to those teams than than Texas A&M is. I, I think they're... I view them as like taking on... That's the type of matchup this is for AM. I think they're a little bit of a cut above, as far as the grand scheme of things in college football this year, I think they're a little bit of a cut above Oklahoma State. And this reminds me of one of those middling matchups for the SEC where they can take care of their business and cover the seven points in almost like a home game. Almost like a home game. Um, bad they're, take. Okay. okay. It, it is. Yeah, you're a bad take. Get the fuck out of here. All right. So, um, and also, hey, there's a stud. One of their one of their best defensive players, who by the way doesn't mean much because they don't really play that great defense. Uh, Colby Harvin Peel is out for the Cowboys. And also, you one other thing I want to mention: Oklahoma State's already talked about like rotating quarterbacks in this game. So I I I want. Uh, no part of that. And, and the one good thing they do with Chubb, like you mentioned, AM is around like the top 30 in um, run defense in the country. Yeah. So it did a good job. Like, like again, just up front, they're a little more, I think, uh, tougher and more physical than Oklahoma State. So, yeah, AM minus seven points. Um, you go to hell. All right. So <laughs> let's get on to the uh, San Diego. County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a holiday bowl, but they put these ridiculous sponsors in front of it. So, yeah, a County Credit Union Holiday Bowl is so dumb. Uh, but this really is a holiday bowl. It's been around since 1978. Um, it's, you know, it's played in what's now the San Diego State Aztecs home field, what used to be the Chargers home field, actually. Um, well for the Aztecs. Yeah, and so the matchup, it, it did. So the matchup is, it is uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes of the Big Ten minus two points to uh, the USC Trojans. Uh, we talked about this game a little bit when we were talking about games we we're selecting for this podcast. And, and I love the game. I actually said to you, I am betting this game. I, if I actually, we don't bet all these games. I, I bet some of these games um, that we do picks on. This is what I'm doing, which is probably a bad sign, but uh, I love USC in this. We talked about Clay Helton a lot this year. Um, he's back. He's, he's back. back. He's he's back, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, he's gotten a ton of 
player support along the way in this whole thing. I think this is one of those, you know, we talk about these bowl games, you know, where there's a month off. And again, it's like the NFL last week we were talking about, okay, you're trying to almost speculate as to what teams are actually still motivated and what teams are like kind of keeping right. it together. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like USC is, you know, I, at least from all the talk or anything you read, they really support this coach. They really wanted him back. Uh, the universe responded. They, they retained him. Seems like a really just, if, if you want to say anything, it seems like a guy that everyone wants to play for. So, um, yeah, I, I like them to keep keep their motivation level very high here. And I like USC plus two points. I'll just let you respond to that. Yeah, you said a lot of the same things I, I had in my mind. I, I do think there's um, some of the play for Halton in this moment and kind of give the university uh, early kind of stamp that, hey, you made a, you made a good move in this. Um, you know, look, at this is a short trip down I-5 for uh, – SC, it's only two hours away. She's kind of playing in their backyard. Uh, everybody's going to hype Iowa's defense. Um, you know, as you call it, the small 10. They, they haven't seen an, an offense <laughs> with this type of passing game. Not even anything close. Like this this no. wide receiving core, you know, led by led by Pittman, is just, just going to be too good. Uh, and I, we know Iowa's offense is not great. Plus, USC's defense, you know, has not been healthy all year. They're getting some of those guys back. Um, they had some pretty good games when they had uh, most of their guys in. So I think defensively, USC will will have a good day. Um, you know, USC has, has scored 24 points, uh, in at least 24 points in its last seven games and scored over 30 in five of them. Iowa hasn't scored over 30 since September, and that was against Middle Tennessee State. So, yeah, um, yeah so you see where I'm going on USC. Uh, lastly, the underdogs in the Holiday Bowl for the last uh, seven years are 5-2 and two straight up and 6-1 and one against the spread. So USC the points here. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. All right. So there, that takes care of Friday. We're not going to talk about Air Force and uh, Washington State. You can, I saved that for the DFS part of the segment. So um, you already heard that. We're getting right to playoff Saturday. Talk about those four games. And it starts off in the Jerry Dome with the uh, Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. It is uh, a Big Ten American Athletic Conference matchup. Penn State minus seven points to the Memphis Tigers. Where? What are your thoughts, Doctor, on this matchup uh, in this bowl game? Where are you looking at? Yeah, and it sets up well. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, fast-paced. A lot of points are expected, which sets up well for Penn State. They are the Nittany Lions are seven and zero against the spread. In the last seven games when the over-under was 60 or more, uh, and I don't have the exact number in front of me right now, but I know it's more than 60. Um, so that sets up well for them. Memphis, 0-7 against the spread in the last uh, seven games in December. Um, and favorites of 6.5 points or more are on a 9-3 and ATS run in the Cotton Bowl. Um, and outright winners are 16-0-1 against the spread in the last 17 Cotton Bowl. So, going to add all that up, that, that's, uh, that's Penn State for me minus the seven points. Those are some molten uh, lava ATS. Yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't argue those numbers. Find, some, find an argument. You can't. I, I, I will. Um, look, I think, I think it's a nice matchup for Memphis. Is kind of like, it's, it's just a nice, like, I think, college football matchup for teams that we don't get to see play each other um, during the year where it's Memphis is a really nice balanced offense versus a nice uh, Penn State front. I do believe that Memphis has 
just there's a lot of firepower. Like I, I've watched a lot of these games, as you know, uh, throughout the year. Like, you know, SMU, Memphis. If you just look at the players that Memphis has, like, and I'm talking, you know, Patrick Taylor Jr., who has been hurt most of the year. He was their stud running back. They played with him for most of the year and turned to some freshman named Kenneth Gainwell. He's a stud. Uh, Damani Coxey, legit wideout one. They got this Antonio Gibson guy who's kind of that OW, you know, running back, receiver. What is he? We don't know. Um, he's great on special teams as well. There's a lot of just players. Like, when I look at Memphis and I compare it to, like, players on, like, a lot of teams, like, I don't know, let's say Michigan State. Like, these guys actually have legit players. They have a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of firepower enough to where uh, they can certainly keep this game close and uh, keep it within the number. And they have a, a veteran quarterback, Brady White, who's been the starter for two years. And they're 12-1 this year. I know it's an American Athletic Conference, but they really took a huge step. I know that the coach left, went to Florida State and everything, which we'll talk about. But uh, I don't know. I don't think it has a, a huge effect. These guys seem like they're a, a group that's uh, together. So I'm taking the seven points in the Memphis Tigers. And let's go to the a great bowl, the Camping World Bowl. Um, I, look, so this is really the Citrus Bowl, is that right? No, that's not true. The Citrus Bowl still exists. It's not right, but it's so okay. Well, well, guess what? They're they're gonna kick they're gonna kick Notre Dame's ass out of there on Saturday. Then Monday they're gonna play. That's right. It's, it's the same state. Yeah, that's right. That's true. It's right. the same place. Right, so I was like, this is just a citrus bowl. Going so anyway, Camping World Bowl, it's played in Orlando. Um, it is Iowa State against Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus three and a half. Um, and I'll let you start this one off as well. Yeah, this is a bad spot for, for Notre Dame. Um, you know, they can't be coming into this game very excited. You, know, you talked earlier about some of the uh, motivation factors. Yep. Uh, Ten and two Notre Dame team drawing a seven and five Iowa State team. Uh, not a good look. But what you say to Notre Dame is, don't get your ass kicked by a very very average Michigan team um, to go ten and two. So I'm not necessarily saying they deserve more, but I think there's a there's definitely a motivation factor here that they're they're kind of lost. And I, I don't see them getting up for this game. On the other side, you have you have Iowa State, who's going to be up for this game, right? Notre Dame. It's a, it's a it's a big win, a uh, big opportunity for them to get a, a nice win against a top 15 program. You know, they were close against Oklahoma and Baylor this year, just couldn't quite get it done. Um, I think they're looking for that marquee win for, for the coach to kind of hang his hat on. Yep. And look, the, the uh, I would say offense has been great this year. They um, you know, led by Brock Purdy. Uh, they averaged 318 yards per game in the air. That puts him number eight. And while Notre Dame is statistically strong against the pass, I think they are like the top 15 for yards. Yep. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with some of their scheduling. They played a lot of run-heavy teams. Um, you know, when they played USC, Slovis put up 255, two TDs, no picks. So I'm going to use that as more of a comparison here, and I'm taking the Cyclones plus three and a half. All right, I'm with you. I like the points you made about uh, kind of motivation factors, and also, you know, a guy who is – in kind of talks and rumors about other positions, including Florida State, was Matt Campbell, and they inked him to a big new deal. So I think that, that there's a little more stability there. Everyone knows he's staying. Um, and you know I love my Brock Purdy. I love him all year. Yep. I, I talk about him. He's, he's been great. Uh, they, they really are kind of building something there and kind of building on, um, you know, this game, like you said, probably carries a little bit more weight for them. Uh, to, to win and also you tell me this I, I think when the 
you look at this game, I think maybe the, the general public looking at this game, they see Notre Dame minus three and a half. Notre Dame is a huge following. I kind of think like, oh, a lot, a lot of more public. Notre Dame is a huge public team. They're going to crush ND. I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't looked at them, but I'm guessing that's probably the trend. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. yeah, I completely agree. If you look at this game, uh, just – from kind of an outside outside look, it's I think people would gravitate towards Notre Dame, and I think they have a, a stronger following in that sense. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's a that's a fair point. Yeah, so no, Brian Kelly. So it's good. It's good for us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Is Brian Kelly's four and four overall Bulls, um, and then Matt Campbell, twelve and five against ranked teams in his tenure. Um, at Iowa State against the spread that is so uh, just a little nugget there we're both on Iowa State plus the three and a half let's take it to the playoff games the semis 4 p.m. in the Mercedes-Benz Dome or Mercedes-Benz Stadium this is the Peach Bowl and it is LSU minus a whopping 13 and a half points to the Oklahoma Sooners um, Doctor I think we know, I might know we're both coming out on this, but I'll let you start it off. Yeah. Look, three weeks ago, LSU played in the same stadium uh, against Georgia in the SEC championship game, and they beat them 37 to 10. Um, I have more faith in Georgia than I do uh, in Boomer Sooner. Now, I know uh, Oklahoma can put up some, some points. So they're going to score more than ten, but they're certain. I don't think they're going to hold uh, Joe Burrow to to less than forty, especially after what he did in the bat in the basketball shootout uh, earlier this weekend. Did you see this? I did not see this. No. So they did this thing where Oklahoma and LSU had this little basketball shootout thing, and they had a contest going, uh, and they were shooting free throws and three pointers. And Burrow was the last one to go, and he needed to make uh, ten of twelve shots for LSU to beat Oklahoma in this basketball <laughs> shootout. I knocked down 10 and 12. Didn't, didn't miss a three. <laughs> and won it. And just walked off like doing the three goggles like it was no big deal. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, the guy's so clutch. <laughs> that, they've, already, they've already won. They've already, they've won, already the won. They've already won the game. So they, the game's over. LSU's going to win the game. Um, <laughs> that was really funny. I mean, he was pretty smooth about it, too. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, so anyway... Look, yeah, Oklahoma's not going to be able to, to keep up with the pace in this one. It'll be fun to watch for a half, um, but it's just it's going to be all LSU um, in the second half, and they're going to they're going to they're going to take it to them. Um, also, Oklahoma's one in six against the spread when teams are averaging thirty points per game or more. LSU averages forty seven point nine. Okay, yeah, I, I think if I want to make a case for Oklahoma, I, I just think I do have enough like respect for Lincoln Riley. I think he's a great offensive play caller and coach where I think they know the only way that they can actually have a chance in this game is to play ball control and just go straight like straight like run with Hertz and Kennedy Brooks and be more run heavy um, and try to control the control the ball and, and use the clock and all the T.O.P. and all that stuff. So I, I do think there's a sneaky case for under 76 and a half. I was looking at that thinking, I, I, I don't think they're going to try to come out and just, oh, we're going to try to go up and down the field with these guys. I don't think that's possible because we don't want one thing. LSU is not being stopped by that 
defense. So that's not happening. So you got to get turnovers or hope for turnovers, or, you know, special team stuff like that, that little stew we like to talk about. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a nice case for that. I can see them maybe keeping it close for longer because um, I, I do I do believe in Rick Lincoln Riley enough in that respect. But, yeah, for me, you know me. I've been on these guys all year. I don't think they can make the line high enough in, in this regard. I, like you talked about, you had – and I – as well, I had more faith in Georgia really kind of giving these guys a run if anybody. And they made Georgia look like JV varsity. That was yeah. pretty pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on LSU minus 13 as well. And let me ask you this too. Just I think the argument for playoff expansion, can we just make it go away now? Like, is it like of the spread? Well, do we even have? We can barely even have four good teams, and then this happens every year. I mean, last right. year was Notre. Last year was Notre Dame, and it's like, oh, we need to expand it. It's like, oh, so do we want to see LSU versus like Memphis now? I don't think so. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, four. Look, four is is fine for the reasons you're saying. It's also fine. Like, look, these conference championship games are basically playing games most of the time. Win them. You want to get in, win them. Um, yeah, and that, that's all it needs to happen. Four, four is a, is a pretty good number here. Yeah, and I, I just think in general, year to year, like the dirty secret is like there really aren't outside of maybe two or three teams anyone that's actually like really good, like really really good. There are there's usually one or two, three good teams that like deserve to battle it out. So um, yeah, I just whatever. I I, and, I don't want like, people. Yeah, I'm with you. And if you look at it, like which teams didn't get their chance, like occasionally there's like a maybe like a Penn State Ohio situation, Ohio State situation where Penn State maybe was like didn't get a chance to play this title game because Ohio State beat him and took the took the um, spot. But the argument beat, beat Ohio State during the regular season. Uh, right. Most of the time, these teams that don't get in are getting their shot in their conference championship game. They're all getting right. a shot and they just take advantage of it. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, keep keep this thing special. Keep it keep it so you have to right. you have to play a really good year. You have to, you have to be almost uh, perfect. To really get in it, I mean, you really do. You you can maybe screw up once, but keep it special. Keep make them earn it. That's like it's otherwise you're just you're watering down the even you're watering down even getting there in a way. So anyway, right. all right, I just I'm gonna say that. All right, so the Set next box. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. It's the Matt or sorry the the prime time game. Um, it's in the desert where the Cardinals play that we love, and it's. Ohio State versus Clemson. Clemson is minus two points. This is certainly, I think, just for fan purposes, for entertainment purposes, regardless of any gambling um, aspects. This is a fantastic game. Um, Must watch. Yeah, Must great. Watch television. Yeah, this is this is obviously the much better of the two uh, playoff games on Saturday, and we'll see how they play out. But this is on paper the, the much better matchup, and I think. Um, I don't have like a strong opinion here. I mean, I'm going to make a pick, but I'll let you kind of go through what how you see it. I think that's a fair assessment. It is like I, we're going to make a pick, but I mean, this could this could go either way. It actually, if you look at these two teams statistically, I mean, they're they're so close. Um, Clemson averages 46.5 points per game. Ohio State's at 48.7. Uh, Clemson averages around 550 yards per game. Um, Ohio State's around like 535 uh, yards per game. Uh, <laughs> defensively, defensively, both give up uh, around 100 yards. Clemson 106, Ohio State 100. And then passing, Clemson 139, 
uh, per game, and Ohio State 148. I mean, you look at those margins. Oh, yeah, not to mention points per game against the defensive side. 10.6 versus 12.5. It's Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, you look at that over over 13 games for these two teams, that's crazy how how close that is. So, I mean, your point about you know, making a pick, this is a, this is definitely a coin toss one. I, I'm leading Ohio State here. Um, there might be a little edge there from when they got their ass kicked 31-0 in the same game in 2016. So there's a little bit of an edge there. Um Interesting, the number three seed, which I believe is Clemson in this case, is uh, without a title in the playoff era and has gone one and four in the five years of the playoff. Um, and then in bowl games between the Big Ten and the ACC, the last 23 of them, the underdogs are 19-3-1 against the spread. Uh, and lastly, Big Ten teams are on a 7-1 uh, against the spread run in the last uh, eight Fiesta Bowl opportunities. So, little bonus stats there to, to lead on the Ohio State pick. Okay, did you say, did you say Clemson was without a title? No, 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 no. The number three seed. Which oh, is the, oh, oh, this okay. year. That's what I'm okay. saying. Yes, oh, no, oh, no, not okay. that stupid. Bob. Come on, I'm the doctor. <laughs> I How dare you? I was like, no, I, 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 probably, I, I probably didn't say that very clearly. Um, no, it's yes, fine. They're, the, they're the three seed. Okay. Three seeds, one and four in the playoffs. Okay, I was, I was like, I'm pretty sure they won it not too long ago, but okay. Uh, all right, all right. So, a couple times? Maybe a couple times too bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> so I, I think, I'm pretty sure they won. Uh, all right, so uh, I think this might be just because I've watched Ohio State probably more closely because of where we are geographically each week that I've I've at least seen them week to week in, in certain spots. So, for example... The Michigan game, um, at least for stretches of the game, it looked like Michigan was able to move the ball on them uh, pretty, you know, it, they can make plays on them and, and get, you know, in scoring position. Also, in the Big Ten Championship game, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State just kind of had a bad, you know, two and a half quarters, and Wisconsin was able to move the ball pretty easily. Not easily, but, you know, able to do damage against their defense. Penn State had a little stretch like that as well against them. They played there. I know some of that was Ohio State shooting themselves in the foot, but I feel like I just have a lot more examples. When they played kind of the semi-above-average teams in their conference, they they were able to do a little bit of damage against them and hurt them on defense to where I think Ohio State might be a little bit more vulnerable. So that says to me that um, I think if I can rely on one thing in this game, I feel like Clemson, this is going to be by far the best quarterback they've faced. Uh, and, and collection of receivers. I think Travis Etienne at running back for Clemson is one of the most like under-talked-about positional players in the country. I don't know why he doesn't get talked about uh, as much as he should. He's, he, he catches passes. He breaks big plays. Uh, super big game-breaker for them. So I think for sure they'll be able to move the ball and score points. The only thing I haven't kind of have an answer to, you tell me if you agree with this, but what will the Ohio State offense look like when it's matched up against, you know, a supposedly kind of like elite defense? What will they look like? Uh, you, they've I, already played against elite defenses. They played against Don Brown. Okay. So, yeah. So, that any, so and they haven't really, you know, been challenged. And look, I'm not saying that Clemson has faced, like, ran the gauntlet at all. I, I, well, that's the thing. You kind of brought up some spots where Ohio State, um, you know, didn't look great. I don't think that Clemson has played 
our team, let alone three of them that stack up against Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I think those are you know, just slightly above average teams. I can't find another one of those in the ACC. Right, but Clemson wins every team every game sixty to forty. So I don't, I I don't know, or sixty to twenty. So I don't, I don't even know. Like, all I know is they just beat the hell out of everyone. So, yeah, they play nobody, but they dominate everybody in the games over in the third quarter. So, I think I, I think that's the, the only Michigan thing. Game, the Michigan game was over in the third quarter. Penn yes. State game was was over in the third quarter. It wasn't right. a blow, but it was over. Penn State wasn't winning that game. And the Wisconsin game, yeah, they kind of played a great half. Well, but may, may, over maybe yeah. I should have rephrased and said Clemson's over the second quarter. So that there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, but what? But, but, I guess I'm. <laughs> no, but I'm just trying to look for something. Like I guess I think I've watched them. I've seen these instances. I go, you know, maybe I just think. And also, I, I guess I would just add on to that that Clemson, you know, is a year removed from the same stage. They've shown up. They've played big time. Every, every you know, they, they've never. It's the same group of guys. So, I'm going to lead on that again. I have no idea. I'm just excited to watch this game. <laughs> but for Megan Pick, I'm just going to go Clemson. I think I would prefer to see LSU Ohio State maybe more. I don't know why, but I don't think you can go wrong for a final game um, between. Oh, you the LSU Ohio State storyline. Burrow? I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? Oh, God, yeah. that would be... Oh, that'd be electric. Yeah, so... Okay. so overplayed for two weeks or a week, how long it is. Well, and, and, and LSU Clemson would be phenomenal, too. So, um, all right, that's uh should be a fun night on Saturday night. We're going to go to New Year's Eve. We're going to just bounce past a few of those uh, uglier bowl games, and we're going to talk about a couple on New Year's Eve Tuesday. And that is uh, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. Uh, this bowl game has been going on from since 1935, Doctor. Believe Ooh, it or not, it's uh, it's exclusive in the Pac-12 ACC since 2010. The Pac-12 is six and two uh, in that stretch. It, ASU themselves. Who, by the way, the game this year: Arizona State against Florida State. Arizona State is minus four and a half. Um, in that stretch since like 2010, ASU's played in it twice. They're one and one. So I just want to mention a few uh, injury updates for players because you know sometimes nowadays players sit out and all this stuff. So Florida State, no Cam Akers. Uh, that's a huge part of their offense. Uh, he's by far and away their biggest playmaker uh, at running back. For Arizona State, no Eno Benjamin. Uh, top two defensive starters are out for Florida State as well due to um, injury. And one, I think, is sitting out for the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, you have the kind of the turmoil with the FSU coaching staff. I don't think anyone even has said, like, who is the head coach for the game. I don't think I can even find that. It's just kind of all over the place with that program right now. Also, 77% of the bets right now, according to a few days ago on National Network, on Arizona State, I think I look at this game, and I can't think of a real good reason to bet on uh, Florida State. So I'm well, taking that plus four and a half points. Well, I was going to try. I was going to try and have you listen before you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. So it's it's ASU minus four and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I thought you said plus four. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Bob. Okay. I wanted to go with Herb here, and I wanted to go with Fear the Fork. 
Uh, I, I especially like the way they close the season with the Oregon and Arizona wins. Um, but after doing some research, I, I just couldn't pull the trigger, and, and I'll share some trends with you that just, just don't lie. Florida State is 6-1-1 one one against the spread in their last eight December Bowl games. Arizona State is 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 December Bowl games. Underdogs in the Sun Bowl, 18-5-1 uh, against the spread in the last 24 games. And then ACC, te- ACC teams are 4-2 and two against the spread in the underdog role in the Sun Belt. So... I just I I couldn't go away from those you know four or five little tidbits I just threw your way so I'm I'm going I'm going Seminoles plus four and a half. Yeah, look, and I think I I love those ATS friends, and that that is a good thing to support the FSU side. But if you just look at this from a straight like on field off field football situation, there is no case for Florida State. There 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 really is not. They're, they're coaching thing is all a disaster so it's yeah. like we talk hey, it's like we, look it's like yeah hey look you asked for a reason why i take florida state i just gave you five of them get off my back <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know it's like you talk about hey who's You're keeping right. it together with the stability and the coaching staff it's like this thing players is a player players, players, is, players probably but, some player only meetings player oh only meetings. and that that <laughs> always goes well all right so <laughs> uh, all right uh so we're both on florida state plus four and a half uh, let's get to the uh, the primetime game for New Year's Eve. It is the Valero Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Texas. This bowl game has been happening since uh, 1993 to the present. And the last nine exclusively have been Pac-12, Big 12 matchups. The Big 12 is 6-3 and three in that span. Five of the last seven decided by seven or less. The last two were decided by two points it is utah minus seven to the texas longhorns where's the doctor coming out on this one well the doctor is going to come out with uh, the youths on this one minus the seven utah is nine oh and one against the spread in their last 10 oh when facing past defenses yielding more than 7.7 yards per attempt texas yields over eight yards per attempt on the other side, Texas is 0-9-1 against the spread over the last 10 games when facing rushing defenses, yielding less than 3.0 yards per carry. Utah's third in the nation, only giving up 2.69 yards per carry. Um, also, uh, Utah has won 14 of its last 16 bowl games. Uh, over that stretch, they were 11-5 ATS. Uh, and Utah is also... Eight and one straight up, and seven and two against the spread for bowl games uh, versus power conferences. You know, some of that dates back to when they were pre-power five conference. Now, so I'm all over the youth. Yeah, uh, Kyle Whittingham is a great record as a head coach at Utah against or in bowl games, and actually Tom Herman does at Texas as well. I think he hasn't been coaching as long, so he's like it's a smaller sample size, but both coaches uh, successful in their bowls. And, uh, you know, I, I always talked about I'd like uh, Ellinger as a college quarterback in general. I think that Pac-12 championship game, I don't know, this may have kind of broken something in Utah. That was that was just rough. Um, and this game generally, the last few contests, has been a lot of points and close. I, like I said, I think Ellinger's a gamer. I'm going to take Texas and the seven points here in this game uh, for the Alamo Bowl. 
it's you know it's San Antonio, Texas. They should be a very uh, pro Texas crowd. So we'll go there. Let's get out of that and go to New Year's Day. And this is going to finish out the segment with the four games. Um, we're starting in yeah again in the the Citrus Bowl now, where they're just kicking out um, the Irish and bringing in another you know fan base that everyone is annoyed with, Michigan. It's Michigan Wolverines versus Alabama. Alabama is minus seven. Um, we we know who the better team is, Doctor. Right, right. Is it just a question of are they motivated? Oh, look, yeah, they're they're not going to be. Um, you know, this is the first year Alabama's not been in the playoffs, right? I think they've been in all five years before this one. Um, they're not going to be motivated, Michigan. And Harbaugh is going to be treating this game like it's the national championship for them. If they, if they happen to get lucky enough to win it, they won't believe it was a national championship in their delusional lives. Um, even with that, <laughs> with those motivation factors being a part of this, I, I can't bring myself to, to take Michigan in this one. I just, I just can't. Um, watching them play, they can't. I just don't think they can stack up against Bama. Even if Bama has guys sitting out, I feel like Bama's second straight is probably better than Michigan's first straight anyway. Um, also, we know Harbaugh has been just horrific against confidence opponents, both in the regular season, you know, the exception being Notre Dame this year, and in bowl games. Uh, he is one in three straight up and against the spread uh, in bowl games, which I would say his bowl performance has been, uh, those teams are pretty mediocre, right? I think it was South Carolina, Florida, Florida, Florida State. See, when they played, they played Florida in a bowl game. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, they got blown out last year. Right, and, and, and I, right, I think they're very like, he has got, my point was, Bob, if you were listening, he's got a poor record <laughs> against very mediocre opponents. Like, I didn't think Florida yeah. was that great of a team last year. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, I have no reason to think this will go any differently. Michigan gave up 56 to OSU. Bama averages 48 points per game. Um, you know, a few bold trends here. Outright winners are uh, 18 and 0 against uh, the spread in Citrus Bowl games since 2002. So basically, if you're a favorite, you're covering. So I'm assuming you're winning, you're covering. I'm assuming Bama's going to win, and I'm assuming they're going to cover the settle with that in mind. Also, Big Ten teams are just one and five straight up in against the spread in the last six Citrus Bowl appearances. So that's where I'm at. Um, I think the motivation factor is there, but I still think it's just. I can't. I can't bring myself to Michigan. What do you got? Well, I think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. I think Nikki kind of has a shared disdain for the Michigan football program. Um, he's made. He's made some comments in the past about you know just kind of having coach at Michigan State that you know when they play each other he kind of you know wears a. He said some kind of he wears a green shirt underneath his you know what he's wearing that day and kind of just you know makes a little. Little jabs here and there. I, I think deep down he would love to uh, launch these guys out of a cannon. So um, I like that. I, don't, I, like that I, don't, I don't know if he can like you know instill that in the players about you know this is an awful program with awful people. I don't know if he can do that, but um, I'm hoping so. So uh, <laughs> so uh, well, I'm thinking down my seven points. Uh, I I yeah. I mean, if they look, if they show up to play. Uh, they're going to destroy these guys. So, I mean, because I think even we saw with, like, Mac Jones, at quarterback, these guys should have beaten Auburn. I mean, that was kind of a, a really weird, fluky game and how they lost. Uh, they were still very competent offensively, and their athletes are still their athletes. Like, those receivers, 
they have uh, they can get separation from anybody it doesn't matter so uh, as long as i believe mac jones is relatively competent and they're motivated to win this game yeah i'm, I'm going bama minus seven points so um we'll get out of the citrus bowl in orlando and we'll head to the home of Jameis winston in the outback bowl <laughs> yes it's the outback bowl it's in uh, the buck stadium and this is a bowl game from uh but 1986 till present uh typically always features um and most of the time it's big 10 sec team this year auburn minus seven to the minnesota gophers and i want to ask you a question doctor oh all right i just in terms of if you're taking calls this week because this is these are new year's day bowls they're both at one o'clock i believe the kickoffs are simultaneous so how many teaser calls are you getting for the Auburn Bama teaser? Well, yeah, it's an SEC <laughs> speed special <laughs> teaser. That's what it is. You're getting a lot of them. That's, that's the yes. call. Yes. Well, I, well, well, look, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, SEC, I just took the last 10 years because I'm kind of like, that's been the narrative over the, I would say the last decade or maybe a little bit more, but how the SEC is, you know, widening the gap. They are seven and three in this game in the last 10, five of those wins by seven or more. So, you know, that at least in this game, that's holding a little bit true. I'll let you give your thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you we alluded to it there. Like there, there's this, there's a, like an athlete slash speed question. They always call it SEC speed, but you know, isn't a different caliber of athlete in the SEC? And the answer is, Probably yes, it is. Um, especially when you consider depth. Well, you've got a team here with with uh, two teams have top twenty defenses, um, and so that you know that's going to match up well. I think Minnesota can't handle Auburn on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Um, but I think bigger picture here, like Flat kind of needs this one to, for me at least, to kind of cap off this magic season. I feel like if they, you know, if they lose here, they'll have lost three of their last four. You'll look at their schedule and say, and go, yeah, <laughs> right, right. That's exact, exactly. So I, I kind of want it for him, um, and so I hope he does. And, and I feel like they, I feel like they will. I've actually they're gonna win. I, I might money line this one if you're out there uh, Woo! trying to get down. You might, yeah, yeah. So look, Minnesota is eight and two against the spread um, when teams are averaging when playing teams that average thirty points per game or more so you know they're able to effectively score on those teams and effectively slow those teams down uh, is what that stat proves and Auburn is just 7 and 14 in the last five years when playing teams with an 80% winning percentage which Minnesota has um, so um, also underdogs over 14 to 6 against the spread edge of the Outback Bowl since 2000 put all that together I'm rolling the boat Minnesota plus 7 okay Sorry for all the, apologies for all the sniffling yeah, you should apologize. And you should also apologize for taking that plus seven because it's a bad take. And uh, look, like I said, I, I don't bet all these games. That little teaser I mentioned, that Bama, I, that might get put in for me. I think I might, I, I owe it to myself. I won't respect myself if I don't put I'll it in. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll take it. Why don't you call it in? When you call it in, call it in to me. Like a little flashback. Yeah, let's, let, let, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll just bet each other straight up. Yeah, Auburn minus one. Bama minus one, tease that down. Yeah, no. Oh, look, I think when I looked at Minnesota, exactly what you just kind of talked about. I think 
He started looking at the whole body of work, and after that loss to Wisconsin, in the way they lost, um, going into that game, I was kind of looking at their run defense against like, Penn State and Iowa, and it was a little league. I was like, yeah, I think they're maybe running out of gas, or just kind of they're kind of now going against maybe the tougher part of their schedule, and it's not holding up. And so and then they went to Wisconsin and just got rolled up. They gave up. Okay, this I, where I had this. I had this written down. Sorry. They gave up 453 yards of offense, Wisconsin, 173 on the ground. So I think that defense just they ran out of gas, or they just kind of came up against the better opponents, and they just couldn't hold up. So to me, I look at this game and go, they're not going to stop Auburn. Um, and so then it's just a matter of how they're able to perform against a much, much tougher, more physical front that Auburn has uh, in their uh, next level of competition. So I am taking Auburn by seven points. And I'll just say that the Big Ten has not won back-to-back years in this bowl game since 04, uh, 03-04. And a reminder that Iowa won this game last year. So Ooh, uh, that's so, fire right there. That is fire. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Auburn minus seven, get that teaser in, everybody. Get that teaser in so you can get to the Rose Bowl up money and uh, bet on Oregon. No, okay. So it's the Rose Bowl. It is um, – we're moving on to that. Oregon, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's minus two and a half. And I maybe hinted to where I'm going, but I'll let you respond to that. Uh, yeah, you hinted uh, to your direction. It's the same direction uh, I'm going to go. I'm going. I'm going Ducks here. Uh, I like what they did in their uh, conference championship game against Utah, and I think there's some similarities uh, between Utah and Wisconsin kind of style of football and what they like to do. And, and Oregon was able to to expose that. Uh, Herbert hasn't been great over the last month, but he's still a top tier quarterback and an NFL first rounder. Um, I'm trusting him. I know there's a lot of people that are going to say, "Oh, Wisconsin looks great in that first half against Ohio State." They just they went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the country. It's a half of football, um, and they didn't score points second half. Yeah, and they didn't <laughs> score, exactly. They didn't score points in the second half. So I'm not buying in. I'm, I'm on the Ducks here. Uh, I yeah. So I'm as well. I hit into it earlier, and I think this is I think a little bit different Oregon team than what we're used to seeing. They're a much more physical team. They're very yep. tough up front on both sides. We saw that in that championship game as you alluded to where everyone going into that game was touting Utah's defense and their physical right play on both sides. And they uh, they, they blew them out. So in, so I think if you take that against Wisconsin, who's who's built in a similar way, then it just comes back to court. It comes out of quarterback play, right? And you said yes. uh, Herbert versus Jack. Herbert or Cohn? The word team. <laughs> yeah. So, and also, and also, just like skill position players. I mean, if, if I think that yeah. Oregon, Oregon can at least slow down um, Jonathan Taylor with their front, which I, I, I do believe they can, I, he's still a very good player. He'll still make some plays, but I think they can at least slow him down where he's not overwhelming them and dominating the game. Uh, yeah, I'm going to dial it back to quarterback. Excellent. Yeah, it's definitely Herbert. So, I'm on the Ducks plus a two and a half. And that brings us to. The prime time last bowl game that we're going to cover on New Year's Day. It's the Sugar Bowl, and it is the Georgia Bulldogs minus six points to the Baylor Bears. Doctor, do me a favor, make the case for Baylor. I will. 
the case for Baylor. Uh, look, I think there's a big, I think there's a big letdown factor here for Georgia, right? They, they lose in the SEC championship again, um, just like they did last year. They find themselves in this Sugar Bowl again, just like they did last year, missing out on the big, on the big playoffs where they lost last year in the Sugar Bowl to Texas when they were 13.5 point favorite in this game. And I think there is this kind of SEC letdown, right? I think typically the team that ends up in here for the SEC is somebody who has just missed the playoff, right? Um, and SEC teams are two and six straight up and against the spread uh, in the last eight Sugar Bowl game appearances. So they just don't favor well in this situation. I think some of it has to do with missing out on the playoffs and or the championship games in the past. Also, uh, designated road teams for this game, which Baylor's a designated road team, are on a run of 10-1 straight up and 9-1-1 against the spread in the last 11 Sugar Bowls. So there you go, Bob. There's the case for Baylor. I'm on Baylor plus the points. Okay, look, at I, I think the reason I said that is because I think people look at this game on paper and it's just like, wait, what? Like, Georgia? Yeah, the- what? Minus six points, and and like you know, like I think that thing about we're taking calls. Like, I think George is an easy tease candidate. I I think people think about last year, like with Texas, how they beat them last year. Like, oh, they're not going to do that again. Kirby Smart won't let that happen again. You know, like they that would be embarrassing. So, like, I think I think this is a game where people look at this and it kind of looks almost too easy. And Baylor, you know, I I I'm assuming their their quarterback, his name escaped me at the moment, but. Uh, I'm assuming he's fine. He's gonna play, but um, you know, I I don't know. You just look at it and go, is this? I don't know if they measure up against a Georgia. Yeah, Charlie Brewer. Thank you. So, um, no, that's why I said that, and that's why I'm going Baylor plus the six points myself. So that is that's the slate of Bulls. Would you do real quick? Would you? What if you did a three-team teaser, SEC three-team teaser on January first? <laughs> Saban, Auburn, dogs, three-teamer. Thoughts? No, 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 no. I would take I would take the Bears up to sixteen. Is what I'm doing. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Or maybe maybe take maybe take Oregon to plus seven and a half. How about that? Yeah. All right. um, but that teaser at 1 o'clock, we're going to bet that against each other straight up for sure. All right. Okay. I'm in. So we know how much. All right. And then we're taking USC tomorrow. That's that's for sure. Um, okay. I'm going to on that too. All right. Uh, well, hey, uh, we're going to be back uh, soon for um, the NFL games for week 17. And until then, would you like to uh, add in anything? I think, I'm, I think I'm good for now, Bob. All right. We will, uh, we'll see you next time. Get some rest. To get some rest, Doctor. We got to keep that horse fresh there so we can uh, keep it together down the stretch here for the NFL playoffs and make some better picks. At our last board meeting, we discussed that we're trying to improve for that playoff record so then we can just kind of end the season on the narrative that well we got everything right for the playoffs so that's really what we were always trying to do the whole time is get things right when it mattered most because that's it right when when you get things wrong 
you don't take accountability for it. You just create a new narrative. So that's what we're trying to do in the NFL. We look forward to bringing that to you. Um, <laughs> we're going to be back for NFL Week 17 picks, as I mentioned, uh, soon in the next you know 24 hours or so. That's going to include the Saturday slate for the CFB DFS uh, slate on DraftKings. Smaller slate, but we're just going to do a little mini preview there. And uh, thank you. Thank you for making us part of uh, your kind of in-between this really cool weekend where we have Christmas, an awesome football weekend with the Saturday playoff, final week of the NFL season to set up all the playoff matchups for Wild Card Weekend. It's just, it's outstanding. And we appreciate you making us part of that process. Um, and that is here at Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I am your host, Bobby Adcock. We'll be back soon. Good luck on all of your Friday and Saturday college football action.